Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're in Galatians. If you'll turn over to uh, Paul's epistle in Galatians. After spending quite a bit of time going through First and Second Corinthians, one of the things that you notice in Paul's epistle is that while he articulates the new covenant, speaks truth in a different way each time or a little bit different way, he's always dealing with false apostles, false teachers, false brethren. He's always dealing with the carnality of the people in the church. Now, I want you to know that you can be grateful for that. But you can be grateful for that from the standpoint that it was these things that provoked Paul and these things that God used to illustrate truth. Now, it's the same way in your life. The very things that you're cursing are actually there to be blessings. He is using every situation that you're in, no matter how hard and harsh it may be, he is using it to illustrate truth. Because he is the truth. And everything provokes us to faith and calls us to our need, and our needs are met in him. The true ones are. So when I look at these false apostles, these characters that Paul is lambasting in the various epistles, I think, man, it is good that God allowed that illustration gave us a view of his love, gave us a view of his tenacity, gave us an aspect of truth we hadn't seen. Last week we went verses 1 through 5, and today we're going to go actually 5 through 10. And the letter to the Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul to the churches that he founded in Asia Minor on his first missionary journey. And it's believed this was on the southern end, not because he mentions grits, but because that's the main passageway, it's the main travel area through these churches that he founded. It's thought to be Paul's earliest epistle. This is one of the first things he wrote that we know about. And it was written somewhere between 48 and 49 AD. And Paul wrote this epistle to refute the teachings of the Judaizers who had infiltrated all of these little Gentile churches that he had set up on his first missionary journey. These Judaizers were teaching the people that in addition to receiving salvation through Jesus Christ, you had to be circumcised in order to be saved. Now, it wasn't legalism in the sense that we're used to, which is a law and grace additive that says, okay, you're saved by Christ now. If you don't act a certain way, God's not going to feel so good about you. That's what we hear most of the time. Now, this was actually a huge distortion because what they were doing was they were adding to the work of Christ. Or you could say they were taking away from the work of Christ because Jesus paid it all. And now they said, no, you accept Jesus by faith, but you need to add to that the work of circumcision. When we look at this letter, we see Paul's indignation. We see his anger. But I want you again to step back and recognize this is not Paul. This scripture is the word of God. 
What you're seeing is the wrath of God concerning these things. Now, if you want to see the wrath of God, you take away from the work of Christ. You take away from the salvation of Christ, and you will see God's wrath in that situation. And that's what we have illustrated here in what Paul writes. Now, you know, it's said that we have over 240 documented denominations in America. Yeah, and all of them claiming to have the truth, right? So what that should tell you is how committed the enemy is to distort the gospel and to twist the work of Christ. You see, the enemy is ever committed to distort the gospel and twist the work of Christ in such a way as to deceive believers and lead them away to a stagnant, empty life. That's what he wants. The enemy can't do anything about your salvation. He can't do a thing about your salvation. If you are called of God, you answered that call, you're one of God's elect, you are saved. God did it. God called you. God put it in your heart to say yes. You said yes. And he recreated you on the spot. The enemy can do nothing with that. You received all of the blessings of Christ. In one fell swoop, you became a child of God. Now, the enemy can't change that. He cannot change what God created in you, but he can sure distort your view of it. He can sure distract and captivate you with the flesh and with the things of this world to the point that you live very little in the truth because that is his greatest work now. We talk about how the enemy kept somebody from coming to Christ. That doesn't happen. The enemy does not keep people away from God. The enemy's not going, oh, you can't have him. That doesn't happen. Because when God calls, you answer and you're his. That quick. So what the enemy is after is distortion, deception, to make us weak and carnal, to cause us to live to religious externals. The enemy cannot stop or change the work of God, but he's relentless in his effort to keep the child of God from living in the truth. We can be deceived. I want you to understand this. We can be deceived only in our flesh. Think about that. We can only be deceived in our flesh. If we see ourselves primarily as flesh, we're easily led into a man-centered gospel that will mix law and grace. License and liberty, all of which are a poison and a delusion that will lead you away from experiencing a truly intimate and personal relationship with Jesus. And that's exactly what he wants to do. You see, you were created by God. You hear me say this all the time. And you know what? Keep coming because I'm going to keep saying it. You were created by God for an intimate relationship. You weren't created as a distant companion a congenial friend, you weren't created for his service. Now, I've heard that preached. But no, God doesn't need your service. You weren't created for his service. You weren't even created for good works. How about that? Well, then what were you created for? You were created for an intimate relationship with him out of the new creation. And guess what? He gave you a heart that is moved into good works. 
He made you an extension of Himself so where God has compassion, you have compassion. Where God has love, you have love. Where God wants to touch and heal, you can touch and heal because you have His life. That's what He created you for. Now, a God that created you for this kind of intimate union, for this kind of companionship and communion, is not interested in you living a distant lifestyle or a divided one. My wife is not interested in sharing me with anybody else, nor am I interested in sharing her. The bottom line is I was created in that marriage scenario for her and her for me. Okay? God is not interested in your divided attentions. He's interested in a singular focus. And he made it real simple. He already created you in union with himself. He already created you as singularly unchangeable and connected to him. He created you with the right heart. He has given you the right mind. He has given you... All that you need for godliness and righteousness. And he not only gave you what you need to exhibit those things, he made you righteous and godly and holy. Now all of that is true, and he did it for the purpose for you to be able to share life with him. Share what life? Well, now we would like to separate it out and say sharing God's life is uh, sitting up in the heavenlies and doing the holy wave and, and singing praises and, and just having all that good, warm, and fuzzy feeling inside. That is not what he's talking about. You see, God went out of his way to create a path, a life here upon the planet for you to live with him. And you know what? It is fraught with things that demand God no matter how small. And so it is up to you to choose not to create the work of God, but to live out the work of God. Now that is what he created you for. Now this is why Paul and God is so upset and so angry over this whole idea that you could add something to what he put together. That you could add something to the gospel. He's not having it. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. I talked about this verse in Bible study the other night. The reason I love this verse is because it is a verse that just absolutely exposes the plan of the enemy. You see it clearly. You don't have to sit around and worry out his scheming. It says right here, Paul's writing, he says, But I am afraid that even as the serpent beguiled Eve by his cunning... Your minds may be corrupted and led away from the simplicity of your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Now that word beguiled simply means to deceive by means of flattery or trickery. But in the Greek, Paul uses the word ekpektato. That word begins with the preposition ek, which means to be led from, and then apatao which means to cheat, beguile, or deceive. So if you put that together, what you're seeing here is that Eve was led away from the truth by flattery into deception. She was led away from the truth by flattery into a deception. And Paul makes it clear where the enemy's point of entry is. It's through the mind. 
Through the mind, we are being led from the simplicity of the pure devotion, of our pure devotion to Christ. Now, if your devotion to Christ is no longer pure, but compromised by self-indulgence or self-righteousness, one being law and the other being liberalism, then you're already deceived. It doesn't have to be extreme. It only takes one drop of poison in a gallon of water to kill. One small drop. You see, with that one drop, we can take what's supposed to be life-giving and make it life-taking. And that's what happens with the enemy's corruption. This is Paul's greatest battle. You see it over and over again. You see it in all the epistles. The enemy cannot prevent us from being born again. He cannot work against our maturity. Oh, but he can work against our maturity, and that's the truth of it. He can work against our growth. He can work against us expanding into the truth. He can deceive us into never living out the fullness of our created purpose while we're here. He can do that. That's right. We allow ourselves to be deceived. The enemy can only approach us through the flesh, and when we indulge the flesh, we make ourselves a target. So I'll say it again. The enemy can only approach you through the flesh. If you see yourself as flesh, if you look at life through the flesh, if you interpret good and bad through the flesh, if your spirituality is based on the function of your flesh or the lack of thereof, then you are a prime target. If you're not deceived yet, you're going to be. That's the way he works. When we walk according to the flesh, we are easily led away from the simplicity of pure devotion. Because the devotion of the flesh is to flesh. Can you remember that? You want to attribute all kinds of good motives and sweet ideals. But the devotion of flesh is always to the flesh. We are to walk after the Spirit and we will not gratify the flesh. That's Galatians 5.16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Now, that's a declarative statement. It is simply saying that if you walk by the Spirit, you will not, you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Does it say, you might not, if you're, unless you're tricked or deceived? Does it say that? No. Does it say that as you walk by the Spirit, you will never be tempted that, or that your flesh will never desire to be indulged? No. It is saying, do not stray from the simplicity of your pure devotion to Christ, and you will not gratify the flesh. That includes embracing man-centered religion, either by law or liberalism. Now, I know it sounds like I'm being redundant, and I am. But do you grasp the truth of this? If you walk by the Spirit, the truth of how you were made in Christ, if you walk in that truth, you will not gratify the flesh. You will not walk away from the simplicity. And what God is saying, the simplicity of pure devotion is this. What's simple about it is you need to only focus on one thing. You need only to be obedient to one God. You need only please one God. You need only serve one God. You need only to, to live in the truth of one God. And guess what? He already loves you. 
and he has equipped you for the service that he is going to ask of you. And the only reason he asks is because he wants you to participate in it. And your worship is a worship of the Spirit. That's the kind of worship he receives. And guess what? You may not be a demonstrative individual. Worship for you may be between tight lips, but your heart is leaping. I'm not, I didn't say your emotions. I said the heart that God created for worship that sits in the center of your being. For the child of God, we have to choose deception. And a lot of people out there teaching, you know, got to be careful. You get deceived by the enemy. You don't want to do this. You get deceived by the enemy. You walk down this way, get deceived. You know, everywhere you look, there's somebody going to put a black bag over your head and drag you away into some kind of wickedness. No, that's not it at all. You choose. You choose. You cannot tell me that the logic and reason of the enemy, the lie and deception of the enemy, will trump the truth that is within you. You can't tell me that. You can't tell me that that truth, which is Christ our Lord, who's at the center of your being, would not be a contrast to every lie, every deception, every slight turn away from truth. You can't tell me that. He would be. And you were made for him. And you know when you choose. I have some friends, one friend in particular who's allergic to peanuts. I mean, he had bad reaction. You put one little bitty bit of peanut in, the, in his meal, and that brother has, he swells up like a toad. He has all kinds of issues. You know, he can't breathe. All this kind of stuff. Is it because he saw the peanut in it? No. Is it because he tasted the peanut in it? No. Is it because if he was more discerning, he could ferret out the peanut and miss it altogether? No. His body rejected the peanut as soon as it hit his palate because his body was not designed to accept it. You're not designed to accept the lie. You're not designed to accept distortion. I've heard a lot of people that have gone into this thing or nothing and their relatives and friends say, well, you know, they just poor things. They just got deceived. No, they chose. They made a decision. Now, it might not have started with whatever it is they're in now, but it started along the way when they decided to walk according to the flesh because the enemy can only deceive the flesh. So, Colossians 2, 6, you know, in order to reject the truth, you've got to believe a lie. Whenever you choose a lie, you've rejected the truth. And we've got the way, the truth, and the life at the center of us. It's not because we don't have the truth. Colossians 2, 6 says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. Have you received him? You have? Okay. Therefore, as you have received him, Walk in union with him, reflecting his character in the things you do and say, living lives that lead others from sin. When we walk in union with the truth, we need to have no fear of the enemy's lies. None. Now, would God ask you to do something that was going to be absolutely impossible for you to do? Only when he expected to do it through you. God has put you in union with himself. And the reality of it is, everything that is required of the Christian life, 
every expectation that God has of you is met in that union. And there is no deception, no deceit, nothing that can get around it. If you will live in the context, this is what he's saying. If you will live in the context of that union, live free. Don't be worried about the lie or the deception. You'll know it right off. You don't have to study books. You don't have to figure it out. And I found that the truth stays the truth no matter what you believe. How about you? Let's look at our text. Verse 6. Paul says, I am astonished and extremely irritated that you are so quickly shifting your allegiance and deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different, even contrary, gospel. Now, the Amplified does a pretty good job here. The word that they use, that they are interpreting from the Greek word as astonished, is the word thumazo. And it actually means stunned. And it's in present tense. So it's just like Paul's walking around in this amazed stupor. He's absolutely stunned and filled with wonder. Well, the question is, why all that reaction? I mean, surely Paul knew that deceivers would eventually have a go at the Galatians. Why is he so amazed? Well, I think the answer is in those words, so quickly. Now, I've read a lot of opinions, and most would interpret Paul to be referring to how quickly, after their conversion, they fell away. But I've read some others that I agree with, and I think they're probably closer to the issue. Paul is referring to how quickly they responded to the message of the false messengers, the false teachers. He is referencing how quickly they shifted their allegiance and deserted Christ. He was astonished that they would so readily receive the word of these deceivers. Now, they had to sit and listen to these guys. They had to find something of worth in what they were presenting to embrace it. What were they so ready to receive? Well, I think it spells it out here. We are talking about grace plus works theology. Grace plus works theology. And it's attractive to the flesh of man because he wants to be his own savior. He wants to be able to stand independently in his flesh. He wants to be able to establish his own righteousness. And they've already begun walking according to the flesh in order for them to embrace this whole idea. Now, the hardest people to pull away from distortion and deception are the religious. Why? Because they have so much invested in their own righteousness. I'm righteous because I've memorized half the Bible. I'm righteous because I've led 20 people to the Lord. I'm righteous because I go on every mission trip. I'm righteous because I attend that church every time the doors open. I am right. Now, they would never say that. But that is what they believe. That's their emotional system right within them. And so you come along and you say, man, it is good to be right with the Lord. It is good to be in his favor. It is good for me to know that he loves me just as I am. Now, wait a minute, brother. Wait a minute. Yes, the Lord loves you. And yes, you're saved. But there are things that he expects of you. And if anybody ever tells you that God expects something from you, you know they're full of wind right off the front of it. Because God is God. He doesn't have expectations. For him, he knows. He knows exactly what Todd will do. He doesn't have to ask, what would Todd do? He knows exactly what Todd will do. And he doesn't expect me to be any different than that. 
And he would like me to be different in some areas. He'd like me to yield. He would like me to walk according to the Spirit in some areas. But he's not going, darn, I can't believe he missed that. God's not doing that. God doesn't have those kinds of expectations. Now, Paul was just amazed that these people would absolutely jump that quickly. And this is, this is what I was talking about earlier. In order for them to really embrace this kind of dif- distortion quickly, they would have already deserted their union as a context for living. They had to. Their union as a context for life would never have allowed them to embrace this teaching. And look at what the words that Paul uses. He says, you are so quickly shifting your allegiance and deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ. Now, Paul is not accusing them of deserting doctrine or theology, although that is the effect. Listen to what he says. He is telling them that they are deserting a person. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road, and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.